0: Hello and welcome to Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely deep literary merit with your classy and sophisticated hosts Alexandra Rowland, Freya Mask and Jennifer Mace. On today's episode, we're discussing Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir, The Adams Family and Repo, The Genetic Opera.
1: And welcome to episode 46. Welcome to Goth Camp! I'm Alex, and I'm the nightmare before Christmas. I'm Freya,
2: and I am Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. I'm Macy, and I am the Black Parade.
1: By None of you had to do bye. That's because our things were either a Broadway musical or a movie. What is Black Parade for anyone A who doesn't motion know what that is? picture. A motion picture. It's by My Chemical Romance. Anyway. (laughs) It's a music video. It's lovely. We are
2: 3 redheaded fantasy authors.
1: And today we're forcing Macy to cite her sources. And (laughs) we're talking about some goth bullshit and getting (laughs) real hard on our hashtag aesthetic. Uh, But before we do that, uh, what are we reading, fellow serpents? You may have remembered I talked about a few episodes
2: ago the graphic novel Cronin by Alison Wilgus. So this Mm -hmm. is the one that is Raroni Kenshin meets the Oxford Time Travel Universe about university students who time travel to historical Japan and get mixed up in historical shenanigans. And volume two came out recently. It's only a duology, so there's only the two volumes. Mm -hmm. It is extremely queer, it is extremely full of feelings. I highly recommend it. It's some good shit. Very good shit. I also read an Australian novel which won the Miles Franklin Award, which is a major Australian literary award. Mm. This is a book called Too Much Lip. By Melissa Leshenko who's an Aboriginal Australian writer and this is a sort of traditional coming back to a fucked up family situation you know unwillingly to escape another situation but it's got a lot of really interesting things about intergenerational trauma and mm. the relationship with the land quite heavy content warnings for like most types of abuse within a family um mm. That said, the voice of it is amazing. It's incredibly funny, like very black humor, but really, really sharp. Mm. And I really enjoyed it. And the third thing was Work For It by Talia Hibbert. So Talia Hibbert is a romance writer that I've been following for a while. And this is her first MM romance. Mm. This is about a large, cordial-making woodsman who (laughs) falls in love with a sarcastic, traumatized city boy there is a lot to like in this, including sex in the woods, which I would not have thought is my thing. Like my general approach to sex in the woods is you, David, bugs, no, but it it, it works really well, you, <laughs> <Ew>, David. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of plant nerdery bullshit, so you would probably quite like this one, basically. Sounds almost like Silver in the Wood. Yeah, it had it. It's uh, got a lot in common with Silver in the Wood, mm, but yeah, less magic mm. and Aww. yeah, more more plants. <laughs> More plants. More plants? Not like dryad plants, but nerdy oh. about how you like pick elderflowers and making interesting cordials. And yeah, it's delightful. Hmm. I will have to keep that in mind.
0: Meanwhile, I have fallen headfirst into my chemical romance fanfic and have been reading rather a lot of that back to my like circa twenty ten. Reading Mm. habits, I guess.
1: Nostalgia, Mm. yeah.
0: Some good, good nostalgia. Lots of, lots
1: of, yeah. Some of it had hamsters, like a lot of hamsters. I'm, you know, if you say things like some of it has had hamsters, that means that the scribes are going to go find that, and they're going (laughs) to make (laughs) me link it in the show notes. I uh, listen,
2: scribes,
0: darling scribes. Some of it had hamsters. Um, (laughs) (laughs) good luck, scribes. Have fun. Good luck. Have fun. It's a quest. Meanwhile, I have also on my actual like adult professional literary writer human reading, um, been reading my agent siblings book, The Monster of Ellendhaven by Jennifer Giesbrecht. And it's a novella that just came out, I guess, a couple of weeks back when we Mm. launched this from Tor.com. And it is about monsters and plague and all sorts of delightfully terrible revenge things in a decaying city on the edge of the Arctic and everything nice. is guilt and falling apart and it's great. It's peak peak goth bullshit. Nice, nice.
1: Uh, and I finally broke out of my Thor-Loki streak uh Thank God. I don't know why I'm reading so much Marvel fan fiction. I'm glad to be done with it. I had to sort of, like, I decided that I was going to be done with it. I was like, shit, I have to break this streak. What could I possibly read to break this streak? And I was like, I know, I'll go back to a previous streak. <laughs> and so now I'm back on my Dragon Age Inquisition oh, bullshit. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> and reading some more Iron Voldorian fan fiction, like just some old nostalgic favorites. I have a question. You have a question? Can I request person of interest next? Ooh, I could go back to Person of Interest next. You can just keep throwing old things in front of your
2: path. Like, now step to this one, now step to this one, and then we'll sneak in something new and you won't notice. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, It has been a while since Person of Interest. I think I would enjoy that, actually. Yay! Um, What else? I listened to uh, some more of uh, Game of Kings by Dorothy Dunnett, and uh, that was great. I'm making my way very slowly through it, Uh, and now I have to check it out from the library again. Sigh. That is the traditional uh, but- way
2: to get through Game of Kings the first time.
1: Yes, yes. But like the big thing this last uh, week or so has been that I started watching Lucifer and I have been binging it while working on some fiber arts and I'm up through like about halfway through season three, I believe. Goodness. Uh, so doing pretty well. If you haven't watched that, it's on Netflix. It is a show about the actual devil, uh, Lucifer Morningstar, who has... Uh, decided that he's done ruling hell, he's tired of it, so he moves to LA and becomes a uh, consultant with the local police department. I think he and runs a nightclub, doesn't he? He runs a, he runs a nightclub, yep. And uh, he has the magical power to get any person to reveal their deepest desire to him, except for his police partner, Chloe, uh, who for some reason he cannot get to tell him... Like he has no, he has no powers over her and he's very confounded by this. And like deeply into it. He's a little bit into it. He's like intrigued. He's like bothered about it. But then he's like, this is kind of cool. Uh, Mm. And then they become friends and they have some sexual tension and then they make out and then they go back to being friends and the whole sort of like (laughs) on again, off again thing as you do. He also discovers that usually he's invulnerable. Like you could shoot him, you could do anything and like nothing hurts him unless he is within proximity to Detective Chloe, in which case he can totally get shot and die whenever he's near her like he's in physical danger when he's next to her so that adds an interesting element as well uh (laughs) and it's lots of like really really good relationships in this show one thing that i really love about it that i don't see a lot with police procedurals um and especially this like uh episode of the week kind of police procedural is that a lot of times it focuses just on the two main characters who have the uh love plot together the the unresolved sexual attention but this one has tons of secondary characters as well who get tons of development and interesting interactions with each other so highly recommend i will stop talking now (laughs) macy you have some news for us i do well not for you two right for the dear listeners for our our darling audience
0: so darling listeners um your serpents are Confoundingly to ourselves, being vaguely more organised than usual, Mm. which means we're recording ahead of schedule, which means that we are announcing that it's going to be the extravaganza soon, sooner than normal. Woo and woo. So we decided because it is a very special serpently extravaganza. It is the episode fifty extravaganza coming up, which means nearly two years of peak Astolat bullshit and dick jokes. Like, so many dick jokes, y'all. Um, so we thought we'd do something cool and special, and we are going to be taking questions, Agony aunt style, about your favourite characters. So, please write in and send us all sorts of hilarious hijinks and confounding problems, and we will do our very best to be deeply unhelpful about them on air.
1: Yeah. Uh, we and have this... not actually, we have not actually recorded, or we have not actually scheduled when we'll be recording, um, the episode fifty extravaganza. It'll be sometime in no- November. Yes. So, uh, this is episode forty-six. Is it? Yep. Forty-six. Yes. Um. So let's say get us your questions by November fifteenth. Do you think that would be enough time for them? Should be. Yep, Sounds good. All right. So, yeah. We are going to be um. If you think that we're
0: going to take this seriously, darling listeners, I don't then know you if you have met.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> I don't know if you've been listening to this podcast long, long enough if you think that we're going to be giving any... It's going to be advice for the fictional era. Uh, yes, that was a Mbim Bam reference.
0: <laughs> Unless Dr. Freya decides that we really shouldn't be giving terrible, terrible, terrible I advice. I mean, if and... you
2: write in with actual medical advice or medical questions <laughs> for your fictional characters... I mean, it depends. On the one hand, I will not be held responsible if you attempt to apply <laughs> it to any kind of real life situation. But on the
1: other hand, I don't think I could stomach actually giving wrong medical advice. <laughs> Here's the two things that I have to say about that. First of all, if you write in with a medical question for these fictional characters, I will off- I or Freya or Macy will offer you one of two answers. One, huddling for warmth heals everything. That is not true. Anything that huddling for warmth does not I fix can tell where is, this fixed is by Anything <laughs> yeah, that is be- fairly, cannot be cured. not Anything that cock. cannot be cured <laughs> by cock, huddling for warmth is cured by magical healing. <laughs> not planets. everyone
2: has a cock.
1: Alex, it can be it can be a strap-on. <laughs>
0: Not everyone carries one of those around with the... Listen,
2: can we have a fucking Not everyone carries a first aid kit, Macy. You've just got to be prepared. Not
0: all first aid kits have penises in them. I'm sorry. That's just
2: (laughs) just an oversight. I
0: don't know how to break this to you. (laughs) <laughs> dr freya has certain particulars about her own medical kit that we will leave between herself and her patients
1: i would like to remind everyone at this point that dr freya's damon is two snakes fucking a You're stick not, and Mom. i don't i think that's all we need to say about that time. anyway please please send
0: us your questions by email by tumblr by twitter by discord and by pigeon
1: not by discord okay. Not by Discord. <laughs> Anything but Discord. Thank you. Uh, anyway,
2: let us move on. Then I want to ask the question because I feel like it is probably Alex who wrote this answer in the document. And I want I want to hear them say it aloud. Okay. Okay. So the title of this episode, Welcome to Goth Camp. What manner mm. of Goth Are We Talking About here? What is this episode focusing on? Well, this
0: episode is not just Goth but excessive Baroque fucking Notre Dame high Gothic aesthetic bullshit. Is that pronounced aesthetic or is it aesthetic?
1: I believe because it may be
0: aesthetique. I put aesthetique. in some extra letters, darling listeners, just for the non Americans.
1: It ends in a Q U E instead of a C. <laughs>
2: Aesthet- uh, uh, le le calm- Notre Dame <laughs> le l'esthétique de la Notre Dame. Is that like the written yeah. equivalent of onomatopoeia? When Probably. you start adding <laughs> Q.U.E.s to the word aesthetic. <laughs>
0: Listeners, we are going to be on some peak bullshit here and it's going to be real Draculian.
1: So let's just jump into the first episode. Or tent the pole. first tentpole, rather. Jesus Christ. Can we have like stakes in this episode? Like tent stakes or like...
0: Oh, tent stakes. Like yeah, coffin like nails? vampires. Sure. So what's the first nail in our coffin, Freya?
2: Excellent. <laughs> That's a Very good one. Very good. Our first coffin nail of the week is the 1991... <laughs> Pound in that nail. Fail.
1: Pounded it. Nailed it.
2: it. Yep. Nailed it. Perfect. Are Pounded we done it. with pounding jokes? Can we move on? No. <laughs> <Never ever>. No. <laughs> this is the episode now. All right. Is the 1991 film of The Addams Family. So for anybody who Yay! is not familiar, The Addams Family was originally a series of New Yorker cartoons, which then became an, a, a TV series. I think it's been an animated series at some point. But there was a mm. fairly well-known TV, movie adaptation in the early 90s and this was the first time that i had seen this so i was very happy to have an excuse to watch it it is about a family of happily macabre weirdo people who live in a giant crumbling mansion and just go about their gothic life and really people people slash (laughs) beings and the focus of the film is about one of the family members the long-lost Uncle Fester coming home and query he's an imposter who is after the family fortune and... The family jewels. (laughs) The family jewels. (laughs) Yes, thank you, (laughs) Macy. (laughs) And it is a complete romp. I really enjoyed this film.
1: Yes, it was so much fun. And also it introduces to us Wednesday Adams, aka one of the best characters of all time. The best character of all time. Yeah, I mean... In this film, Wednesday Adams is like eight years old, and I still want to be eight-year-old Wednesday Adams when I grow up. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah. yes, yeah. And it's just one of those
2: lovely things where you can tell that nobody in the family thinks it's at all odd that she is the way she is, and everyone loves and accepts her, and is quite proud mm-hmm. that she, she of this tiny little psychopath, with tiny no psychopath expression child. whatsoever.
1: Uh. The really cool thing about this um, franchise, shall we say, as a whole, is that like. When it was first invented in, I think, like the 1950s or something, it was supposed to be a subversion of all the tropes. And the tropes were like, oh, you know, there's this sort of husband who isn't really around and he's like the head of the family and he uh is the the man of the house and he and his wife like have hilarious fights with each other and snipe at each other Mm. all the time and don't really like each other uh and so like by just subverting all of the tropes at the time we end up with this actually really beautiful very close and healthy family bond did you know like the original one
0: the black and white one all of the stuff was like pink
1: Yes, filmed in pink because that was showing up on the the black and white film better than actual black and gray shades. Because I think that the
0: thing with this movie that we really, really, really have to talk about is the visual aesthetic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it takes place in this mansion with turrets and spiked gates. And when you Mm -hmm. go through the gate, the gate tries to bite you and like rips your clothes if it doesn't like you.
1: It's, it's a perfect, it's like a perfect visual representation of like the haunted New England house. Mm. And it does
2: something very clever in that it sinks you into that aesthetic very early and it keeps you in it until you yourself have started to think, well, this is normal. This is, this is just daily life. And then it drags you out for like parent teacher night and a school concert and everything just seems (gasps) Mm -hmm. so ridiculously garish and like silly. And why are these children singing like flowers and you realise that the movie has just gently been normalising the aesthetic for you to the point where now you're on that other side of the coin, you think, well this is obviously how life is meant to be, and so you're seeing from the Adam's perspective rather than everyone else's which is, oh my god, this family is so weird
0: and one of the things that I loved about this film is the moment of, you know, the moment that we have in the what's what's it um, Save the Cat Beat Sheet where you have the moment of deepest despair when all is lost. In this film, it involves the family losing access to their mansion and having to go live in a motel and sell lemonade. And And get jobs. And get (laughs) jobs. And it involves the deeply glamorous morticia adams like trying to become a nursery teacher <laughs> yes.
2: and all of the children
0: that she teaches just like breaking down in like
1: gales yeah.
2: of tears i actually found this very interesting coming from the perspective of having recently watched all of Shit's creek because Schitt's mm. Creek has oh, exactly yes. the same thing. It has the, you know, the loving husband, the glamorous, slightly ridiculous, but amazing wife, and the two children, one of whom is a sarcastic Gothic monster, except <laughs> it's David rather than Wednesday. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. So if you think about David uh, David Rose as the spiritual heir to Wednesday Adams. <laughs> Holy fuck,
0: Freya, you just blew my mind. I feel like I entirely reject this based on, like, base competence levels oh yeah Mm, no Wednesday
2: Adams could walk all over David Rose in terms of competence at life and that's the thing it is a different narrative trajectory the whole point with Mm -hmm. the with the Schitt's Creek is that that family has to grow outside of their environment whereas the whole point of the Adams family is that they are happy and thriving within their environment and we want them to return (laughs) to their crumbling gothic mansion and be happy again
1: yeah. Yes. So one of the cool things that this movie does uh again with aesthetics is that it you, it's so it's set up sort of with the trappings of a horror movie, right? We right. have this like creepy crumbling uh Victorian mansion and we have this gate that tries to eat people and and so on and so forth. And the comedy is happening because it's subverting our expectations um, because we have all of these like very haunted things happening and everyone is just sort of treating them as like oh that's normal that's just a thing that happens Yeah, but
0: also just like a such a like loving way that they raise their children and like accept yeah. what they're interested in and like Wednesday is trying to electrocute her brother and her mother is like are you trying to do that let me help you make that better and then just like helps her make it a little bit better so it'll electrocute him better And it's just this, like, model of kindness and lack of conflict in the family unit itself
2: that Mm -hmm. you don't really
0: see very much.
2: No, and the story is about somebody who is infiltrating the family from his own sort of dysfunctional family unit of himself Mm -hmm. and his terrible mother, who Mm -hmm. actually realizes that these people are loving and that the atmosphere within the house is one that he wants to live in forever.
1: Yes. It's lovely. Yep. Yep. It's not... Also shout out to Gomez Adams as just being the ideal husband. Like <laughs> everything about Gomez great. and Morticia was just perfect. Yes. <laughs> just yes. So uh, perfect. I think I think Morticia Adams is the one that I actually want to grow up to be rather than Wednesday Adams. Like Cause Wednesday's great, but like Morticia, man, just like I want to go around in like long black dresses with like a bar of light across <laughs> my eyes and the rest in shadow. Cod, yes. I mean that's Goals. fair. But have you seen the
0: grown
2: up Wednesday Adams videos?
1: Yes, I have not. So good. Oh, oh Freya. Freya,
2: I think I saw some gifts on Tumblr. Possibly, they're a problem.
1: They're real good. Uh, so Wednesday Adams <laughs> is is grown up, right? And uh, like she's dealing. It's like little little. St- uh, skits, right? Each of yeah. them is less than five minutes long, uh, and so in one skit, Wednesday Adams is walking down the street and she gets catcalled. How does Wednesday Adams deal with something like getting catcalled? The answer is hilarious. <laughs> the answer yeah, will shock you. Great. No, it won't.
0: <laughs> it it won't. It's just she's really hot. Like, That's no fair. That's fair. It, it sounds fair. like I'm it. too gay. But uh, yeah, everyone wants to be grown-up Wednesday Adams. And I don't understand how a child actor had that much presence.
1: Mm.
2: No, she yeah. did a really, really good job. But I think also this is our
0: like founding principle, fa- like our founding father of this genre of what we have been calling like goth camp, which is I think something so. that is so gothic that it's just over the top, but it's not over the top because it's
1: mocking being goth. It just loves it. It's just being extra for the sake of being extra. Because it can and because it's great. Yeah. Mm. On the topic of being extra just for the sake of being extra, (laughs) shall we move on (laughs) to our second tentpole? Yes, sure. Our second tentpole is probably my favorite book of the year, dear listeners. It was Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Mir, uh, who is fantastic. This book, if you have not read it, I'm sure that you have seen all of the yelling on the internet. The whole internet has been yelling about this book, and rightly so. It lives up to the hype. Uh, it, it is does. a sort of science fantasy book. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kind of very short elevator pitch is Lesbian Necromancers in Space. Uh, And I think that Tamsin has described it also as, like, a rotting house full of Goths who are trying to compete to become God's best friend. Uh, (laughs) And so it it has your... Uh, sorting hat system with a bunch of houses that you get to sort yourself into uh, based on uh, except uh, skulls yeah based on shallow personality tropes what may you get a tiny skull their heraldic symbol is variations on skull <laughs> <laughs> this book is full of skeletons and bones uh, which is pretty great uh it does spoiler warnings there's plenty of uh gore in this book there as i said skeletons and booms uh a giant bone spider and yeah. lots yeah. of lots of death just yeah. lots yeah. of death
2: it was it read to me like a combination between a locked house agatha christie where people are being sort of killed off one by one yeah and a video game set in a bone dungeon Because there's like puzzles and doors that you have to open. And and one of the characters is like furiously playing this video game in the background while Gideon just wanders around.
0: That's fair. Like being hit on and confused by this fact. Darling listeners, spoilers for a book that came out relatively recently. If you would like to skip this episode and go to your library and abscond with the nearest copy of Gideon the Ninth,
1: read it and then come back, we won't hold it against you. Yeah, totally legit. But this is your final warning. We are about to spoil this book.
0: We will be medium medium spoiling. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Medium medium spoiling. Excited yelling is about to ensue. Yes, yes. Uh, So do we want to talk about that ending? No, I didn't think. I didn't feel like we needed to. No. Which is okay, why I was okay. like, why are we doing all of this build-up stuff? Because you're like, let's just leave it. Yeah, let's just leave it, yeah. Uh, so Freya has a question here for us.
2: <laughs> yes, I was thinking about this when I was thinking about Gideon the Ninth and also the other tent poles. So this is set in, as we've described, a once grand sort of decaying mm-hmm. mansion, dungeon, palace, palace, palace. thing. Palace and I was complex. thinking Palace complex. And I was thinking, so is once grand but now old and decaying an essential part of this aesthetic? Can you have a new and shiny goth hashtag aesthetic, or does it have to be it was once this thing and now there's mold everywhere and it's falling apart and it's shadowy and gloomy?
1: I think that is a fantastic question. I think that once grand and now decaying is an essential part of the aesthetic. I think that new and shiny gets more into... Emo and or possibly cyberpunk.
0: I mean, I think that I would go cyberpunk and not emo, because I think for me, part of emo is uh less money than goth. Mm. Like yeah, for me, that's a big thing. Like, emo just can't afford to be goth. But the only counterexample that immediately sprang to mind for me was Mr. I talk like this with a funny whisper from Jupiter Ascending.
1: Oh him! I was yeah. like, "Where the fuck are you going with yeah. this? Who are you <laughs> well, talking I'm about?" I'm glad you
2: mentioned. Oh uh, no, because I wanted to wait, wait till we talk about is he Repo got? to talk about is he... this because I wanted to talk about. I had, I had a point to make that about that for the next temp poll.
0: Okay, well we can save, we can hold off on that. But I think that by and large, I kind of agree that goth is seated in rot in a particular way. Here's mm. a different counter example. Okay. Um, Freya. How do you feel about Hannibal Lecter's house in the
2: TV show Hannibal?
0: Yes, and see, the term me, goth.
2: It is, an, it is someone who is an escaped goth who is attempting to recreate the aesthetic he escaped from in his new environment. Because he's the whole point of him is that he's like a
1: Lithuanian count. <laughs> Macy, Macy was taking a sip of water nearly drowned. <laughs> an escaped, so, goth, yeah, an an escaped, escaped goth. goth. He he's a Lithuanian <laughs>
2: count who grew up in like a giant palace in the wintry woods true. and everybody got murdered, which is like the most high gothic thing you can possibly That's imagine. True. And he he's has such escaped he, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has come to Baltimore <laughs> To, yeah, he's come to America. The, he's come to the New World went to America, to, to the New World, to be the New World Dracula. And he has surrounded himself with the modern version of that aesthetic.
0: Right! And so um if you haven't seen the show, Hannibal, um, if you have any tolerance for gore and horror whatsoever, please watch this. It's, oh, it's so amazing. Good. But uh he has this mansion and he fills it with antiques and like there are skulls on the wall, but like hashtag artistic. And, like, there's a harpsichord (laughs) that he sometimes plays. And, you know, it's just all of this high bullshit ex-aristocrat stuff that, like, some Americans really love. But it is gothic, in part because we know who he is, I feel. Mm, Yeah. mm, Because of context. Because we know what he's feeding people in that beautiful, shiny, nude kitchen with his original portrait of Leila and the swan.
1: Yeah. Those no. are some great points. Let's yes. talk more about Gideon the Ninth, though, because yeah, I yes. love this book.
2: <laughs> so Gideon the um, Ninth featuring my favorite character of all time.
1: <gasps> Harrow Hark.
2: Yes, obviously. As soon as Harrow they Hawk appeared Harrow on the page, Hark. I was like, this one, this one is my favorite. I DMs Taz and I was like, <laughs> I love her. I, can tell. <laughs> I love her. I love
0: she's her. mine now. She's so terrible. <laughs> do we want to explain who Gideon and Harrowhawk are?
1: Yes, we should probably do that. <laughs> so, uh, in this book, there are nine goth houses, and yep. the ninth house is sort of the most goth extra house. Yep. Uh, this is the House of Death, uh, and so the House it- of the Silent Tomb, or something, something yeah. like that, because they're guarding. A silent tomb. Uh they had they each house has a different kind of necromancy. And the ninth house necromancy is raising skellingtums uh yep. from bits of bone. Uh and Harrowhark is the most magical of uh necromancers because she can make a whole skellingtum uh from the tiniest chip of bone uh and she's a badass. And yep. also a huge bitch, which she is
2: so awful
1: and she's I love an her so awful much. bitch. And that's exactly what Gideon thinks of her. Uh Gideon yep. is like is kind of a ward of the ninth house and yep. she and Harrowhark do not get along at all. Uh <laughs> for like good reason, I guess, but like for pretty good reason. Um, oh, yeah. But, and like, like they're pretty
2: horrible to each other for oh, yeah. huge sways of the book.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like amazing. enemies to enemies question mark yeah 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 it really is rather and than enemies love it. to lovers it, no 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 just enemies to
2: enemies
1: yeah enemies to tolerate
0: <laughs> yeah love it i love them and so gideon is like this muscly sword lass
1: yeah with
0: a lot of porno mags and Sh- a oh my god gideon.
1: For gideon 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 yeah. and her dirty magazines makes me live <laughs> Also, I and, feel like I should tell the audience real quick that this book is full of meme garbage. This book has so much meme trash in it. It's the perfect book. Because Gideon is meme trash. She's yes. me- she's garbage. Yeah, I love her. Yeah.
2: yeah. 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 It is basically the, it is the epitome of while you were being heterosexual, I studied the blade. A meme yes! actually appears on yes. page. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Oh, beautiful. Uh,
1: and yes. Harrow Hark also wants to be Wednesday Adams when she grows up, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, that
2: was my understanding of Harrow, because she's someone who's trying really, really hard to be that emotionless, mm. you know, yeah. perfect shell of competence and darkness. Yes. Uh, except – She's I am angry. the
1: knight. <laughs> I am the knight.
2: Except she spends all her time instead being frustrated at the incompetence of other people. She's a nerd. Yes, and, she's and a also nerd. her own she's feelings. A she is ner- a massive, massive
1: nerd. nerd, and she's surrounded by idiots.
0: So <laughs> she spends all of her time reading obscure books in order to solve puzzles. Like literally, yes. all of her time is that.
1: Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. She and then lying like the about it to
0: you
2: will ever meet. Oh yeah. And she, she hates her own feelings, but she does have a lot of feelings she has so many feelings
1: it's a great fucking book also it's very very good let me see if i can do the small caps Magnus, no! <laughs>
0: <laughs> there are so many amazing so here's the thing you say there are nine houses of necromancers who are competing for a thing and it sounds like oh it's the hunger games yeah okay Which- but no all of them are individual humans who you will fucking abhor and adore simultaneously yeah. and i just am really mad at Taz. Really re-existing. mad,
1: really mad for writing a book this good. And dreadful teens and trash bag lesbians. Oh yep, my god, yep, my yep. god. Uh, I think that we are losing our coherence if we need, we should probably be coherent for the rest of the episode. So Maybe. <laughs> I feel <laughs> let's... like, okay, let's, let's talk a little bit about the
0: excess gothicness of this, because I think for me, the undying emperor who has been immortal for 9,000 years and kind of left these planets behind him to obsess and kind of gnaw on their own brains in his mm. absence. That's again, it's coming back to Dracula. It's coming back to there is something deeper and darker than you, and look at what you will do to
2: yourself to understand it.
1: That's a good way of putting Which it. Is
2: another thing that makes me think that the Adams family has the trappings of this aesthetic but the heart of it is somewhere else Mm. because they're not about being left behind they're not about everything is decaying downwards and we're trapped in the ruins they're quite happy in the ruins (laughs) you know
0: i read an amazing fic in which yanto from torchwood is an adam's family relative oh fun tell me more It's super awesome and uh, we'll have to set the scribes to find it because I cannot remember the name. But essentially its thing was that Adam's family members have a certain immortality. You can electrocute them, you can murder them, you can drown them. They'll just pop right back up and say, thank you, that was fun. Can you hurt me more next time? Mm. Um, (laughs) Because they've removed their soul and Ayanto has put his soul back in in order to fake being human. Um, And Mm. it's super fun as like a world building around this family as an actual supernatural entity.
1: That is a fascinating kind of crossover that I never would have expected. Right? No, but
2: it works Don't really well because Fink? you then take him
1: and you put him
2: in another group full of weirdo people who are oh, semi-immortal yeah. and then you add a pterodactyl and he's probably just like, this is fine. This is just like oh, home. And <laughs> it's like, and this is how he survived the Cybermen
0: attack on London. You know, he took his soul out. Ah. Uh. It's pretty nifty.
1: That's pretty fucking nifty, though. Right? Yeah, that's great. I, I would that. read that. Yeah, you should. So, we should we go on, on to our, our last tentpole? Tent- yeah. Jinx. Yes, it's we snacks.
0: should. <laughs> so, the next tentpole is... I can't call it one of my favorite movies with a straight face. <laughs> but listen, you guys, it's so good. This is the movie Repo the Genetic Opera. And it is absolute trash. Trash. Like, Garbage. Like, Darling listeners, have you ever been dragged by a college friend to a midnight showing of, fuck, what's the one that everyone's been to? Rocky, Rocky Horror fuck. Picture, picture yes, Show. To Rocky Horror, right? Yes. And you're like, why are you doing this to me and why is that toast happening? Yeah. This is basically that, but with less comestibles being thrown at you. <laughs> but it's less I would funny be, though.
2: I would be very interested to go to a, one of those live screenings of Repo to find out what actually happens around oh it in the cult following.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is this is a movie in which Paris Hilton as a spoiled heiress has her face fall
1: off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. There's so much gore. Like every so single much trigger gore. every single trigger warning like like, we're talking explicitly blood gushing and surgery and, and dead body, anatomically accurate. incorrect organs being pulled out of people. Oh, yeah. yes. Like, That's the part that bothers right the most, is the anatomically incorrect organs. I watched this organs. movie
2: last night with my sister, who is also a biologist, <laughs> had a gin and tonic, and we were sitting there being like, what is that? That doesn't even look like a real organ. Where's the tree? Why does that I part love- look so neat? Why did that
0: happen? <laughs> My favorite bit was when um singing Giles pulls like what's meant to be a spine from the back of someone and it looks like one of the aliens from like the faceburster aliens.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, yeah we could fuck out what like that was. Like,
2: I think it was meant to be a spine. It was meant to be a spine. Like, it was meant to be a spine. Like it was not the size of the spine, it was more just the everything about you the American. Like a cock is hilarious.
1: <laughs> Macy, do you but, wanna tell us? Do you want to tell us what this movie is about? (laughs) So this
0: movie is a near-future dystopia in which the world suffered a plague of organ failures, and from the midst of this plague, one man rose up, roti largo, rose up and um, pioneered, I guess, like, super accurate transplants without compatibility, must have been what it was. Like, the movie Mm. doesn't bother to tell you why. With this company called GeneCo, um, and perfects these basically organ replacements so that people can survive the plague. And 20, 30 years on from then, everything about surgery has become fashion and there are like advertising campaigns about having the perfect interior organs and like beauty is on the inside and then like a picture of an x-ray. Um, and so everyone's getting plastic surgery for fun. And they have made it legal to repossess organs that you can't pay for. So one of the main characters of this movie is just it- running around murdering people and ripping out their organs. And that's yeah. legal. He's yeah. basically corporate
1: yeah. Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, except he yeah. doesn't eat them. It's basically a horror movie about the American healthcare system, let's be honest Yeah, here.
2: yeah, yeah. it kind of yeah. is. And
0: yeah. the main character is this like perfect, delicate, um, pale, goth waif. girl. Waif. Yeah. Such a Waif. Uh, and you're like okay sure the movie is real white already and I guess they're going literal with that and then mm. the movie is like but we're gonna tell you it's because she has a blood disease and also she has no hair that's a wig Yeah. so I'm like okay that's even more goth <laughs>
1: <That's> <laughs> nothing true. more goth than having a blood disease <laughs> oh,
0: and for some <laughs> utterly inexplicable reason there are like creepy
2: Victorian holograms everywhere
1: yeah Yeah, of her dead mother. They have like thirty pictures of her dead mother all over the fucking house. Look, I think
2: seventy-five percent of this movie can be summed up as for no explicable reason.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're not like for
2: no explicable reason. Sarah Brightman is there. Also,
1: (laughs) it's it's a musical.
2: Yeah, it's a a musical. musical. And I'm trying to work out: did they just like did Sarah Brightman just appear, and they were like, "Would you like to sing?" Because. Honestly, as someone who re-watched a Sarah Brightman live concert DVD quite a lot in her youth, Sarah Brightman's on-stage concert aesthetic is essentially the same as the mm. aesthetic of this movie, Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is hilarious to me because she has those, like, gothic dark curls, that really overdone eye makeup, that, you know, white as white complexion, and she wears incredibly large, like, feather-covered black things and suspends herself and sings – so I think That's they just, true, took, that all they just took Sarah Brightman as Sarah Brightman and were like, would you like to sing in this movie? We'll give you some, like, cybernetic eyes. Yeah, Here, there's like look. a showdown at an opera, which is also peak traditional goth. Yeah, a I think such we had a thing. traditional goth.
0: We're like, you know, Phantom of the Opera, a little bit of that. There's uh, family secrets in a decaying mansion in which the child has been locked for 17 yeah. years.
2: Yes, And I got... Five minutes into this movie, turned to my sister and went, oh, my God, it's Jupiter Ascending. But Jupiter Ascending took this and added sequence because it's about these three terrible children of an empire that uses people's bodies to achieve immortality. And this, like, young girl who's been thrust into it and is actually going to inherit.
1: So yeah, I was like, oh, no, you're not wrong. You're that's not why... wrong.
2: You're <laughs> it's not the wrong. same
1: thing. Freya bringing like all of the galaxy brain moments this episode. Yeah, it's weird. Right? I had, I meant to research this and I did not. But like while I was watching this, I was like, are they doing like a sort of weird Commedia dell'arte kind of thing with the Largo family? And then I was Maybe. like, I'm going to have to look up the Wikipedia article. And then I forgot.
0: Yeah, I yeah, that's fair. I will but that's also why I was know- saying... Ah, that you I was, was gonna say maybe that's
2: when that's when you mentioned um Jupiter Ascending earlier. I was like, absolutely yes, because Jupiter Ascending yep. is the goth aesthetic, but removing the black and adding huge amounts of sequence.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. super funny because it is and it isn't. Jupiter Ascending is like all you remember when in the um in the fairy tale episode, we were talking about the skeleton of a fairy tale, right? The, the bones on which Snow White hangs, that if you used those bones again, you'd figure out it was Snow White, even if mm. she was cybernetic, right? Um, mm. I feel like Jupiter Ascending has so much of the bones of a gothic epic, you know, the, the family empire and the blood of people for everything and all of this mm. stuff. But it paints over it with none of the visual aesthetic, or like it translates all of the visual aesthetic into pure space opera, and I think it's yes. super cool. Yes, absolutely. Apart agree. from the wedding, which is peak goth. Like the wedding in Jupiter Ascending is so fucking gothic. Mm. Oh yeah, and like with everything, everything <laughs> Eddie Redmayne is doing. Also, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. I will also note we've used up most of this episode already. Like. Joyously squeaking about our tentpoles. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops!
1: Uh, so shall we talk about gore? Let's talk about oh, some gore. Okay.
0: Do you need it to be hashtag aesthetic, goth camp?
1: Well, no, because the Adams family is like pretty extra extra goth, but doesn't have any of the the gore. And I think that there is like a a genre, subgenre of goth that is more like elegant and refined without so much of the gore. But gore is a kind of cool shortcut for getting to creepy, right? And so I think that a lot of times it's a more efficient way of getting there. I feel like, it's not
0: precisely gore maybe that I mean here then, because I feel like Adam's family had that level Mm. of casual harm, right? It just didn't show you the blood. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's true. Like, it had electrocution in it, you're right. It's fun. (laughs) But it was like funny electrocution. (laughs) Macy, maybe you can tell me then what is the difference between gore and horror? Horror is about trying to do
0: something to your audience, very okay. specific, right? You are trying to induce dread and maybe revulsion and fear. Mm. Um, and I don't know, like repo definitely like revulsion is definitely in a lot of the scenes in repo, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm. but dread. But-
2: Yeah, look, even – I think it was one of my issues that I had and why it was so funny is because you're not quite sure what you're meant to be feeling in any given scene. You're like, well, now Anthony Stewart Head is singing loudly while ripping someone's organs out of their (laughs) still-breathing body and, you know, terrible siblings dance around and there's some people dressed as sexy nurses. Like, what emotion am I meant (laughs) to be having in this situation?
1: The the scene Uh. where Anthony Stewart Head is like – sort of at work kind of ripping some guy's brain out or whatever and like he's having this phone call with his daughter Shiloh <laughs> yes. um, and like he's trying to keep what he's doing from her and she's up to no good as a teenager, she's up to right. some teenage no goodness um, and so she's trying to keep it from him and they're both having this awkward like father-daughter conversation while they're both being like secretive. So funny actually. I think when I'm thinking about
2: if you have to have gore, I think mm-hmm. there has to be a certain amount of body horror. And Mm, it doesn't have to be like in in the Adams family, it was to do with what what they're eating, what happens to the bodies casually, but there is this really big fixation on the body and Mm. on biology in the whole of this aesthetic because it's rooted in that, As you've said macy the dracula the whole vampire aesthetic right Mm -hmm. even though none of these actually feature vampires there's this whole thing about (laughs) bodies as commodity bodies as consumable as blood especially and mortality so you've got this focus on yeah and i think that
0: now we have to talk about
2: frankenstein a little bit Mm, body modification especially yeah oh yeah canvas because that's huge in repo and also
0: just corpses and is a corpse a person right? I think that's where Gideon gets it because Gideon doesn't actually have all that much horrible things happening to the bodies until they're dead. Like it doesn't fuck with them that much but it fucks with skeletons all the time and like you were saying Alex there's this like horrible skeleton spider thing that actually one of my agent siblings had something similar Brianna Taints in um, Lord of Secrets had these Mm. really cool like Kreatlatches like objects made of like skeletons. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that
2: kind of does a similar thing, right? So for me, I don't find – I've never found skeletons to be inherently scary. And mm. I don't know if that's, like, a medical thing or <laughs> – like, I'm like, it, you know, they're dry. They're they're just part of the body. And, like, I think it's because there's this idea that death is now a while ago.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah. That a skeleton mm. is
2: not necessarily fresh. Um, and bones are themselves are really interesting. And so they I think are. that's this – Yeah, they are. And so bones is part of the goth aesthetic – are kind of saying enough time has passed now that we are reclaiming that whole memento mori thing without having to think about the actual moment of death. It's about, again, it's about that process of decay yeah. to a point where we can start using it as aesthetic.
1: And mm-hmm. tying that into it, my, Macy, you just asked a question, like, is a corpse a person? And, mm. like, I'm thinking, like, are skeletons? I really need you guys to say <laughs> something funny instead of I can't even say the normal word now. I'm just saying skeletons, 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 Skellingtons. and booms. Um, Boom. Okay, fine. There <laughs> we go. Continue. I I have a hard time. I have a hard time seeing a Skellingtum as as a person as a people as a yeah. people. Right? Like that's not a that's not a people anymore. No, but you have you have to dress them up like in Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that was a I good movie. movie. Speaking of of gothics. Uh, Aesthetics. But, like, mm. there's a dot point. Can we t- talk about the vampire Lestat, please? And I'm going to need us to do that thing.
0: <laughs> okay. What that about was- the
1: vampire Lestat? Because that was, like, my formative goth experience, mm-hmm. right? Was when I yes. was, like, 14 years old. Hurricane Katrina had just passed my house. And I read, uh, overnight, a Interview with the Vampire by... Like kerosene lamp oh my while gosh. I was under. I know it was perfect. It was flawless. Uh, and I was borrowing the books from my next door neighbor. And the next morning I waded through our yards, which were flooded from the hurricanes so that I could borrow the next book from her. And I read the first <laughs> couple pages in her garage. It was great.
0: Man, Anne Rice, though. She's so fucking good, but also not. But She's, also
2: mm, is. Yeah. And, and speaking of movies ah. that are kind of trash, but very much this mm-hmm. aesthetic, Queen of the Damned.
1: Oh my god, yes. Why didn't that, we all that? Jesus. Which is that was like, you know,
2: swimming around in like barbs <laughs> of like milk ah. and
1: blood
2: and like <laughs> dancing. Garbage. Oh my god, such garbage. But like the most aesthetic.
0: that's true but i want to go back to skeletons skeletons all right skeletons because there's this shtick i keep getting into on twitter with my twitter buddies which always ends up with me like engraving runes on skeletons
2: um but i just sure have okay (laughs) (laughs) like the ones you just have lying around your manse or what (laughs) no
0: but like I don't know. I really want to do something someday with the idea of like opening someone up who's still alive and putting magic on their skeleton and then closing them up around it again. Mm. As like Mm. a possession thing, as like medical magic, as like a way to kind of permanently change something about someone to root the magic in them. Because I feel like there's something... About the permanence of bone in comparison to the impermanence of skin and muscle and
2: blood. Yeah, I think it's an it's a common well necessarily common it's an effective use of imagery if you mm. are describing mm. the way something feels. Or right. the way something is, like a truth written on someone's bones or yes. feelings seared into your bones. You're right, it has a very evocative sense in terms of mm. permanence. And also like permanence and also pain. Mm-hmm. like you think about you know oh yeah carving something into the skin but if you're going into the bone then it's deep and the yeah. pain what? is deep i want to talk about something
0: actually from the monster of Ellenhaven, which i literally just read so you two haven't had a chance to but it's kind of about the crimes that have been done to a community in a city that have carved themselves into this one person's soul and i think that that's a very gothic idea Right. Mm. Um, the the crimes and the sins of past generations have led to the pain of the present generations, and that's what the decaying mansion is all about. That's what Gideon is getting at. Right. Mm-hmm. As we get mm-hmm. towards the end, and we start figuring out more of what's happening, uh, it's not what Adam's family is about, but it's
2: definitely what Repo is about. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, about, it's like... about the past coming due.
0: Mhm. And I think that in part, maybe this is why we really want that decaying aesthetic to be the most goth because that's kind of the visual
2: representation of this idea.
0: Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. this once
2: was grand, but we've ruined it. Well, I think just before we move on from this point, I wanted to mention that this whole idea with, you know, things being carved on bones and the bodies is I think why we see a lot of the archetype of the evil surgeon in Mm -hmm. these ones. Mm -hmm. So you think of, you know, Sweeney Todd being a barber, but who starts killing people? You've got Hannibal Lecter. You've got Dr. Jekyll, if we're talking about like older things that fit this Mm -hmm. aesthetic. And then we have the sort of surgeon turned murderer in (gasps) Repo as well. And there's this like, I think it's because there's such a fixation on body. Yeah, Yeah, you then got this idea of someone who knows something about the body and who can change and tweak and who has that anatomy knowledge is the perfect villain because he can step into this space and start manipulating the surround.
0: But there's also just this massive taboo about voluntarily breaking skin, right? Like about voluntarily cutting someone open. And there's Mm -hmm. this kind of visceral feeling that you have that someone who has done that is in some way changed.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. Mm.
0: Like, someone who can do that is not quite the same as you and me. I say to Freya, who has presumably done this. um, Oh, yeah. Please don't come and murder me. You're my favourite Australian.
2: I have been (laughs) irrevocably chained.
0: You have, though. It is. I don't know if this is something that, like, comes up when you're learning that. If that's something that some medical students get to and find they can't do.
2: Um, I don't think so. I mean, the thing is that you start with stitching things up. Okay. Oh, so it's putting things back together. So you start with putting things back together. So you learn to suture set lacerations. You learn to, like, do excisions and and suture them up on models usually. But Mm -hmm, also mm -hmm. when you're just doing things, you start with, you know, you're standing in surgery and the surgeon turns to you and says, would you like to close? Which means, do you want to do the last layer of either staples or sutures? And so by the time you actually get to making your own excisions, you've seen... A lot of incisions made and mm. you've done a lot mm-hmm. of putting them back together sure. so i guess from like a philosophical standpoint you're making an incision and breaking the skin in the full knowledge that you are going to fulfill the contract that is being medical mm. and you are going to put right. the thing back together
0: and so that's what these surgeons are violating
2: is that yes. contract they're, they are violating the contract because they're not putting the person back together again
1: mm. that's mm-hmm. a really wonderful and like kind of poetic way of looking at it freya I had not thought about it that way before, but that's, (laughs) when you made me think about it, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much how it works.
2: That's pretty cool. (laughs) But I mean, there is is something deeply, not enjoyable, but satisfying (laughs) in cutting things open. (laughs)
1: Three minutes so ago. that's
2: fine.
1: No. Three minutes We're ago. Fine. Macy's like, I think that like it might change you to, to be a person who could do this. And Freya's like, no, I, I don't think so. Well, no, I never said it wouldn't. But I think, again, it's
2: coming from that point of I am doing this, but I know how to reverse it.
1: Yes, sure. that's fair. That's yes. fair. Sure.
2: Anyway.
0: And yeah, and then you get, and now this is making me think of um, Joan Watson in Elementary. And oh, yeah. Having lost a patient on the table, and how that kind of like she didn't Fucked manage to make it back. but like, she yeah. didn't manage to put it back, and now so she goes to solve these murders instead, which has some poetic something something.
1: Yeah, yes. Uh, we are running low on time, but I know that Macy especially wanted to have a fun facts black parade corner. So Macy, I wanted to take talk it away about. I want to talk about mid
0: and late thousands emo culture, right? Yeah, and I know. Freya maybe more than Alex was in this as a teen.
2: No, basically no. Nope. <laughs> Literally evanescence was as far as it went. <laughs> I mean, that had an effect on me. I wore a lot of black and silver jewelry as a teenager, oh, yeah. but it was literally evanescence. And that was where the level of my knowledge stopped.
1: Mm. My fair. best my best friend was like a hardcore goth when I was a teenager. And so mm-hmm. like, I just sort of inherited a bunch of music from him and listened to some of it, but I was mostly in it because I was friends with him rather than because I was actually interested in it for myself. That's okay. fair. So educate us, I think that there's Yeah,
0: there's like, there's, there's goth and rock music and goth music and like Finnish death metal because it's always fucking Finnish. Don't yeah. ask me why. Yeah. Because the because, Finns. Because the Finns. Uh, we love the Finns, darling Finnish listeners. We love you. Yeah. Don't murder
1: us. We do um, actually in- genuinely love the Finns, though. <laughs> yeah, no.
0: His Infernal master <laughs> is a great band.
1: Like, oh, that was band. a good band. That was genuinely a good band. I saw them live. Ooh. Mm, tell, us about, all... tell us about Black, about Black yeah. Raid, though. So
0: you have this tradition which stretches back a while and then in the mid-thousands, early-thousands, you get people like Green Day, right, and The Used stepping in and putting punk together with goth. And from that you get My Chemical Romance, Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, Bless their Strange Little Hearts, um, and Mindless Self-Indulgence, all of those bands, the bands that then became fandom, And I got into these because of fanfic. And because of fandom, I was a pretentious little classical music brat at the time. And the first time someone played me in my Chemical Romance song, I was like, that's not singing. Because I'm like, he's like screaming. I'm like, that's not art.
1: (laughs) We were all that pretentious little shithead when we were teenagers. But the Black
0: Parade, the music video, is exactly this kind of peak goth aesthetic Mm. bullshit, right? I mean, Freya, you... You were saying, about oh the yeah, it's side?
2: got it's got the weird starts in a hospital with the strange expressionless <laughs> nurses. It's got yes. gas masks, which seem to be a key <laughs> part of this aesthetic for reasons.
0: Yeah, ah, uh, and I love it. But then there's the thick as well, and like we don't normally talk much about RPF on this fan, on this, on this fandom, on this podcast. <laughs> but there's this one in My Chemical Romance, in which one of the band members in an AU where none of them are band members, um, suddenly gets stigmata. And like on starts- his hands? No, all of them. All oh. of the wounds of Christ, one after another, and is like bleeding and probably going to die from the one that like stabs him in the side. Oh shit, wow. And so Frank gets stigmata and Gerard Way is a priest who has to like defeat the demon. And it's Mm. even more peak goth bullshit. Because we haven't actually talked
2: much about the intersection of this particular aesthetic with like religion and the Mm. Catholic aesthetic, but there's definitely some ties there. We are talking about like Notre Dame at the beginning and this whole idea of like the decaying religious monument.
1: And the body and blood of
0: Christ. Christ. And the body and blood of Christ. And, And you know, statues of Mary crying blood and um, all of the martyr saints, you know, what's her name with her breasts on a plate and mm. Santa Lucia with her eyes that
2: she'll offer to you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and actually, um, Elliot de Bedard's Dominions mm, of the mm-hmm. Fallen series is very much this aesthetic. It's like post-apocalyptic okay, yeah. Paris, fallen angels, crumbling oh. cathedrals. Yeah.
0: I love it. And I think that, like, in architectural terms, Gothic means something different, right? Yeah. Gothic, A Gothic mm. cathedral is a gorgeous piece of work, it's a piece of art. And I think it's really funny to me that current day goth is so far away from that in a lot of ways, and yet that's perfectly part of that aesthetic anyway. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, gargoyles and intricate carvings so far above the human eye that you couldn't possibly see them unless you had wings.
1: Yeah, and ornamentation just for the sake of ornamentation.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. and also standing for centuries, even if unloved with, like, the fabric decaying around it, but the stone still strong. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely, extremely deep literary merit, and as you can tell, today's episode was perhaps the most literarily meritorious one yet. I honestly don't think we will ever top repo as far as significant works of 21st century literature goes. Unless I manage to bully the other two into consuming Homestuck. Teen Macy has a lot of feelings about peak goth aesthetic. And let's be honest, so does nearly 30 Macy. Sometimes. You just want to build a cosy bone palace and paint it with the blood of your enemies, OK? Who hasn't been there? Anyway, we have some even more exciting topics to talk about in upcoming episodes. On the next episode, two weeks hence on November 6th, we'll be discussing fashion and world building. If you want to prepare in advance, one of the tent poles for that episode is The Prince and the Dressmaker by Jen Wang. So if you have a friend who's into stuff like that, maybe give them a heads up. In the meantime, feel free to continue the conversation with us. Questions? Comments? Extravaganza agony aunt puzzles for us? Contact us at serpentcast at gmail.com, at SerpentCast on Twitter and Tumblr, or join in the conversation in our fan Discord chat, which is linked on the About the Show page of our website. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. And by the way, you'd look rocking in black lace, a real Morticia Adams.